a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties under... This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions as we always do. Here's what's on tap this week. We have a special, important conversation to begin the show about an uncomfortable topic that we need to talk about when financial stress leads to depression and thoughts of suicide. I know, heavy topic, important topic in this Suicide Prevention Month, September, we're talking about it. Also, we're gonna talk about uh, some, a little lighter topic, back to school uh, financial tips, and then finally, we're gonna talk about why people are so angry that their diversified portfolios aren't beating the market, all that and more. But to start us on a, somber's not the right word, it's just, it's just heavy. It's just an important thing to talk about, and our society doesn't talk about it enough. It's uh, a mental health uh, concerns, and uh, sometimes when financial stress leads to uh, uh, thoughts of suicide. And so to have this conversation, well, you got to be with people close to you. So I'm bringing in the big guns. I'm bringing in Mike Dunn, the crisis and suicide line supervisor at Families First. If you recognize the last name, it's not surprising. It's my last name. He is my father. He was part of me being on this earth. Mike, can I call you dad? Hello. <laughs> You can call me anything but late for supper. Oh, man. It's good that you've got older jokes, too, because it just helps people understand that you're, you're older. Um, all right. So this, is your, this has become your life. You are, for, for lack of a better term, you, you, you run a crisis line. People, you talk to people on the phone every day who are think of ta- thinking of taking their own lives, and, and you try to, to mitigate that situation and to make it better. How often... Or, and I know there's confidentiality things, Dad, but like how often are, are these concerns financially related? I'd say it's pretty frequent. Um, people who, normally it's just not a financial issue by itself. There's other things going on like relationship issues or uh, the loss of a job, loss of a home, um, loss of health. We all handle loss differently, and loss equals pain. And people have different thresholds for that pain and different coping mechanisms to deal with that pain. But when it's a financial issue, those sometimes are the most difficult ones to try to to overcome um, because people think that the root of their whole life starts with the monetary situation and many times they've they forget that they can go to whomever holds their debt and try to negotiate and be very honest with them that right now they can't afford to make any payments or right now they can't uh, do what they would want to do and a lot of times the a uh, person that holds a debt will try to work something out with them, anything to try to give them hope. Most people don't want to kill themselves 100% of the time. So it's that 5 or 10 or 15% of the time when they don't want to kill themselves that gives meaning to life. That's why they're still here. Yeah, you, you said something to me once is that people don't, it's not that they want to die, it's just they don't want to feel the pain of living anymore, right? 
Yeah, it's the, it, exactly right. And it's the stigma um, of suicide and mental health that perpetuates um, people not getting help because they're embarrassed. It's taboo. I mean, we can talk about um, erectile dysfunction and the vagina monologues and male incontinence, but until we can talk about suicide and mental illness in the same open manner, there's always going to be this hush-hush thing. It used to be that way with cancer. That's why people used to say the C word. They were afraid to say cancer. It was that way against um, drugs. Oh, we don't have a drug problem or a gang problem at this school. So we've overcome all that. And until we can overcome that when it comes to our emotional health, uh, it's going to be difficult for people to accept it and know that help is available. I would like to congratulate you for being the first person to say vagina monologues on my 10-year radio show. And uh, to that, I, I didn't think it would be you, but thanks, Dad. Thank you. I'm a worldly guy. Yeah, you are. Uh, I found something uh, along the lines of this conversation where how financial stress turns into depression and then leads to thoughts of suicide. And they said there's three triggers, right? First, fear of the future. Like, like this is very pragmatic. Like, how am I gonna pay my bills? I can't pay my bills. How can I pay them? So that's the first one. The second one is, the, uh, the fear of letting others down, this failure thing, like going to your family, going to your wife or your husband, or your kids and saying, we got to move. We can't afford to live here. And then the third being, and this is, this is the toughest one. And this is, I think what we've been touching on letting yourself down, like this feel a feeling of worthlessness. And like, I can't even pay my bills. Um, as we, as we look at those three points there, they're sort of indistinguishable, indistinguishable when someone calls you, though, right? I, I, I mean, you're not trying to dig down and see which one they're really worried about, or, or is that helpful to you? Well, the one thing that weaves all three of those things together is control. Not feeling like we have any control is the scariest feeling in the world. It's bad enough we don't have any control over our future, but when we don't feel like we have any control over our thoughts and our behaviors, our emotions, and even... Uh, our behaviors, that's a real scary place to be. And that's uh, the state a lot of people are in when they call a crisis line. Do you think it helps people on, on a regular basis to hear others in their lives or celebrities have also dealt with depression? Do you think that that sort of, hey, you're, you're not alone. Do you think that's helpful that, pe that people hear those sorts of things? It is. We had a 43% increase in our calls the week that Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain died by suicide. When Robin Williams died by suicide four years ago, we had an 18% increase. So they'll never know how many lives they saved by their suicide because if people seemingly as successful as that can have thoughts of suicide, then anyone can be at risk of suicide. Another thing I've learned uh, from you over the years in relation to this topic, and this topic alone, I've never, I haven't learned anything else from your dad, but uh, from this topic is that, you know, when you're dealing with someone who is, is suffering from depression or you're, they're suffering from this financial stress, to tell someone in this scenario that stop feeling sad is about the, the dumbest thing you can do as a person who's trying to help. Like, why is telling someone to stop being sad such a bad idea? Because all they can think about is the past, being alone, and uh, just being so um, 
engulfed in their feelings that they can't think about being safe or engaged or uh, moving forward without having to bring them through the present first. And by that, what I mean is, is you want to hear why they want to die. You want to hear why things are so painful. They've got to get it out because it's just like when you've eaten something that doesn't agree with us yourself and your stomach is rumbling and churning and rolling and you'll know that if you'll just, well, excuse my crudeness, but if you'll just throw up, at least for that moment in time, you can make a little progress. You can make a little headway. I call that emotional regurgitation. And until somebody gets that out, because they've never told anybody these feelings before, that's why they won't tell you. You have to ask them. Well, you know, Peter, with your drinking more and not going to work and um, taking more time away from your family. Sometimes people who behave that way are in so much pain that all they can think about is going to sleep and not waking up. Are you having thoughts of suicide? And so when someone asks you that by prefacing the question on what they've observed, it's just been kind of an abstract concept floating around in your mind, but till they hear the word killing yourself or suiciding, where it actually applies to them, then it is kind of a, gosh, yes, I, I guess I am thinking about well, this. Let's, this is let, serious. let's do this. Can you stick with me another segment? Sure. All right. Coming up after the break, more with my dad, the uh, supervisor of a suiciding crisis line here on the Pete the Planner Show. This is Michelle. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Look, we just blew out a segment. We're not talking about the market this week because I'm talking, uh, it's Suicide Prevention Month and financial stress is one of the leading causes for people to, to want to take their own life. I thought about the segment this week. Of course, I thought of my dad. My dad is the supervisor of a, a crisis line. He joins me now, Mike Dunn. Hello, Mike D. Hi, Peter. In the last segment, you, you uh, no, two things occurred. If you missed that, please listen to it on our podcast. Just go to wherever your podcast, search Pete the Planner show. You did two things, dad. Number one, you hypothetically used me as an example, which is generally not a, a good thing to do. Number two, the most comfortable part of our conversation was actually suicide, as you said several words that I have to consider editing on the radio. So I want to thank you for both of those things. Now, what here, do you think in, in good financial times like we are as a country right now, like ooh, ooh, the economy is booming, just, just look at Trump's Twitter feed, or, or don't, that would upset you too. Um, do you think when this whole thing turns around the other way, because it always does, like it did in 2008, 10 years ago, do you see an uptick uh, in crises because of the financial realities of job loss? Oh, of course. But you also see it when somebody is successful. Maybe it leads to a gambling addiction and they sold their company and they have all this money, but they've been to Vegas and they've nearly drained their nest egg because they didn't know how to handle it. But yeah, to your point, um, when times get rough, sure, we see an increase in calls uh, where people feel hopeless and 
helpless to do anything about it. It's it's funny in some respects. I feel like we have a similar job. Like uh, we are told uncomfortable things, and our job's not to judge people. It's just to try to come to a, a peaceful resolution. Um, here's an odd question that I don't even know if it's appropriate. When it comes to financial stress issues and, and people that go to act on it or, or interact with you, is does gender play a role in that? Because off the top of my head, and this is completely anecdotal, I mean, I know, this oh, is terrible, I know three or four cases of men taking their own lives in financially related situations, but I can't think of one with, with women. Is, is gender involved in this particular issue or not really? Only from the standpoint of that women attempt more, but men die more often. Oh. And that's believed to be because of men's access to lethal means like firearms. Okay, that, that's heavy. So women attempt yeah. Well, yeah. Women attempt more. Mm -hmm. And the best thing you can do is just shut up and listen to someone. Don't try to judge them. Don't tell them what you do if if you were in their position or what somebody else did or look at all they've got to live for, just shut up and listen in the most compassionate, non-judgmental way that you can. You know, I, I think about growing up and I always think about you're like one of the world's great problem solvers and you, would, you don't really waste a lot of time uh, bellyaching, you, you solve problems. And, and, but I think when you talk about someone expressing thoughts of suicide with you, there, there's not the traditional problem solving, it'll do this and do this. It is letting them get, get it out. And I, I think this gets back to gender roles, Pop. I think, I, I think sometimes if men are the outlet where people are, are venting and men typically, people identify as men, want to get in there and, and solve it, that seems pretty counterproductive, that you truly have to shut up and listen. That's one of the first things that a person has to live, live, learn uh, if they want to volunteer on the crisis line. Yes, we all think of ourselves as problem solvers, but that's not what our role is. It's not our problem to solve. We're there to listen, maybe to, we, we don't even offer advice. Rather, what we do is provide structure, information, and support for people to develop their own resolutions. Yeah, we're there to facilitate and provide some guidance, but it's not our problem to solve. Uh, how, how does a successful call end? When, 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 when you complete a call with someone, and, and, and not that you need, to, you need to feel good coming off the call, well, that was a good one, but like what happens at the conclusion of a call? 95% of the time you will hear a change in their tone of voice, it lightens, they may chuckle, but most of all, they'll say thank you for listening. Huh, yeah, because, from, because people haven't been willing to listen in their lives or they haven't just found the right scenario in which someone is listening. In, in this context, people don't know how to listen. They're already thinking about what they're going to say to the person before the person even gets through finishing a sentence. That's how most people listen. That's how I do my radio interviews. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What did you say? So, yeah, this is interesting. So if people want to volunteer, I mean, because I know, and I have this stat, and this is going to embarrass you, but, I mean, you did say horrible words on my show in the last segment. You volunteered. You were available on the, the, the crisis line last year, 8,715 hours. You, 
you were on the line 8,715 hours. You, you need help, man. Like, what? Yeah, I, we do. Please volunteer with our organization. I know. So that's where we're going with this. If people want to listen, if people want to help solve this, this crisis, this mental health crisis in America, where people don't feel like they have people to, to, that will listen to them, how can people get involved? Well, um, in our particular organization, you can call us at 317-634-6341. That's Families First. And just uh, tell whomever answers that you're interested in learning more about volunteering on the crisis line. There are wonderful, wonderful organizations um, in our country. Uh, the most premier, I believe, is called the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP. Dot org. As a matter of fact, I'm participating in a what's called a walk out of darkness tomorrow to honor those who have been um, died by suicide. And it's such this doesn't sound congruent, but it's a very uplifting event. There are families there with pictures of loved ones on their T-shirts who have died by suicide, and they're all walking to raise money in honor of that family member. And it's just it's. It's a very powerful event. If people listening right now need someone to talk to, um, I, I didn't know this until recently, maybe because I don't listen and ask the right questions, but if you call the National Crisis Line, then it, based on where you're calling from, it redirects you to a local center, right? That's right. If you call the 800 number, 800-273-TALK or 8255, their system looks to see what area code you're calling from and then forwards that call to the crisis center nearest that area code. So 800-273-TALK? Yes. 1-800-273-TALK. If you're dealing with something right now in your life that it's just taking you to a dark place, financially or, or otherwise. Um, yeah, Dad, we got about a minute and a half, and, and so I don't want to put you in a situation where you um, talk through the break and then I get yelled at by my producer. Uh, but I want to thank you for coming to talk about this. Uh, it, it's weird that I say this is an uncomfortable topic, and I think I'm part of the problem with that, right? This is, it's, I got to get over the fact that it's an uncomfortable topic because it's such an important topic. Like, how can we, I, I feel like we're in that phase right now, culturally, where people are talking about this more. When does it stop becoming uncomfortable? <laughs> is that a fair question? Um, I think it's going to take a while. But can you imagine the courage it must take for someone to pick up the phone, call a complete stranger, and say to them that I don't want to be here anymore, I can't do this, it takes a heck of a lot of courage and bravery to know yourself well enough that you know you need help, you're in over your head, and that you never ever thought you'd find yourself both figuratively and literally where you find yourself at that moment that they call. We talk to people uh, on the worst days of their life. Pop, we, and, uh, I, 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 this is a weird time to cut someone off of an interview when you're in this run, but I have to go. This is the nature of commercials, unfortunately. 1-800-273-TALK, right, Mike Dunn, my dad. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for thinking of us. Coming up after the break, more on the Pete the Planner Show. Hi. I'm internet podcaster Peter Dunn. You may know me as Pete the Planner. You hear me on the radio 
and on your podcasting device. But did you know you can also see me on YouTube? That's right. We have a YouTube channel and we call it PeteThePlanner.tv. We ask you to subscribe so you can catch great shows like Pete's Eats and this here podcast with drawings. But the drawings are made with a video camera. Subscribe today. Like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of Back on the Pete the Planner show. It's uh, the time of year again. Kids are getting back in school in the Midwest. They've been back in because we need to get them out of the cornfields or something like that, Nicole. Uh, but around the country, kids are going back to school, which means money is flowing out of moms and dads' wallets. So with the help of Straight Talk Wireless, I've come up with a few ways to help you find the best deals. We've been working on a project with them, which has been great. So It has. Uh, so... Nicole, a few tips here. Um, I'll start with this. My wife was a, a school teacher, and of course, yes. by the nature of how our schooling system works, at one point she was a student. Yes. And from the, from the time she was a student to the time she was a school teacher, her favorite thing in the world is school supplies, still to this day. When she I goes, love school supplies. You do? Oh, oh my God. It's like one of my favorite things. Like, I have to avoid certain aisles around back to school time because I will spend, I would spend so much money on school supplies. You know, you're the sort of person that loves Sharpies. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, except we needed a Sharpie here at the office this week and he didn't have it. I know. So, I failed you, especially anyway, as a sorority girl. Maybe you could have taken one of our tips that we did with Straight Talk Wireless. And one of them was host a back to school swap, which means gather the different parents and sort of your circle of influence or <laughs> influence seems a little weird with back to school <laughs> tips. But you know what I mean? Just your neighbors. How about that? Um, and encourage them to bring things they no longer need or they, they have extra of and just do an old fashioned barter and swap. Now that's genius, right? Yes. Like right? Trapper keepers. Because how many pencil cases? How many extra things of like college ruled notebook paper do you have like laying in an office closet? Me? None. No. Okay. Well, oh, wait. Me? Awkward. A lot. Do yeah. we have a lot here? No. Okay. But, but I do. But backpacks? Yep. Like, I, you know, here's the thing, because I have a nine and a six-year-old, like, and, and, and Sarah, my, my lovely wife, who doesn't like to be called by her first name on any of my things, uh, we call her Mrs. Planner, so now I'm upset about that. Mrs. Planner uh, handles a lot of that stuff, but they always need something different each and every year. It's like a conspiracy to get uh, back-to-school supplies, you know? Yeah. Next one, and, and this is interesting because this is, this, again, Straight Talk Wireless is helping us with this. Um, according to a recent survey conducted by Straight Talk Wireless, nearly 90% of students uh, and parents say mobile devices are essential for educational success during the school year. Uh, and with Straight Talk Wireless's unlimited, ultimate unlimited plan uh, for just $55 per month, students can take advantage of unlimited talk and text Ooh. and data to stream video at DVD quality, download educational resources and stay connected with their nationwide coverage. Now, oh my gosh. Now here's what's interesting about this. Our kids have device day, which was a thing that did not exist when I was in school. Same. Uh, so like every Friday, Ted gets to, to grab a device and take it to school, whether it be uh, you know a, a smartphone or a, a tablet. Right. And so Street Talk's right. There there are 
major factors in uh, education today that require you to not only have a device, but to have data. And so mm -hmm. that is a, an interesting new world problem that we have. Absolutely. And I, th I think what's interesting uh, about that specifically is uh, Straight Talk uses other people's networks, right? You right. can use the same networks, and yeah. so it makes it 30% cheaper because they're not spending all the money owning the networks. That's awesome. Genius. Genius. Next up, shop local, of course. You know, I, I like to order online from time to time, and I like to order at big box stores. But you know what? Shopping local, sometimes they will beat the prices. Mm -hmm. It supports your community better. And so we always encourage people to look at it from that perspective as well. Nicole, it will not surprise you to say, or to hear me say, I should say, set a budget. <laughs> set a budget, for God's sakes. Set a budget. It's like holiday shopping, right? So right. Uh, you know who you're going to buy for. Right, I would yeah. assume. Like, so yeah. let's go through your list, okay? So you've got your special friend. My special friend who just got a new job. Who just got a new job. Uh, probably mom and dad. Mom and dad, me, and, you and, and your brother. Brother, and he, if he's been good. Right, so you've got this list, and you, you're gonna write down, like off to the side, special yeah. friend, 50 bucks. Mom yep. and dad, 50 bucks. Pete, like 125 bucks. Right? So you, <laughs> you just write these things down, you total them up, and that's how you set a budget for a particular season. With back to school yeah. shopping, what you should do is, uh, is like you have two kids like we do, not, not you and I. <clears throat> this got weird. Oh. But, but like you, you write down <laughs> how much you're gonna have to spend for each kid, not only so it could be equal, because when you're a parent, you had to do this whole, like I spent 30 bucks on you, I just spent 30 bucks on the little other one too. Right. Um, but, but you can keep it in check. Clothes, supplies, smartphones, whatever it is, you can keep your budget and check. And then finally, and this should be of no consequence or surprise, you, you kind of got to plan ahead. Yeah. Like, but back to school time, depending on when you're, where your kid is in school, like what, what, what grade, you have a number of activities. Like I look at our nine-year-old, the things she's involved with right now cost money. It costs money. Last night I was at a elementary school cross country meet. Nicole. Yes. I was at an element. What has happened to my life? I know. There's all these little kids running around in multicolored t-shirts screaming. And I was just <laughs> like, as they'd run by, I would scream, you're not trying hard enough. Oh, I wasn't doing that. So supportive. Was it? I don't know. But there's, there's an increase. But there's like a fee to do that. My daughter wants to be, of course, on the, the, the school uh, news broadcast staff, as you Your might imagine. Your daughter wants to do yeah, that. No figure. way. And um, a bunch of other things. My son's involved with stuff. So, like, we just grab a calendar, Mrs. Planner and I, at the beginning of every uh, school year, and we just say, okay, here's the extra expenses that are coming in September. Here are the ones in October, November, December. We do it through the whole school year. And it is shocking if you don't do that then you always feel like you're getting surprised by whatever expense is coming up so those are the tips go to straighttalk.com to learn more about their 55 dollar a month uh, ultimate unlimited go to learn more this is the pete the planner show Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. 
enemies shall inherit the earth and I want to inherit something something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes so work is what I gotta do stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks running with the gale force wind at my back swift and enduring I remain calm swift and enduring I remain calm Back on the Pete the Planner Show, the no questions edition of the show, because normally on the show we answer people's financial questions this week. We do not. Nicole, we are not answering questions, but we're handling a lot of good topics this week. Yeah, we are. It's been a good fun show. Um, all right. So, by the way, how great was the segment with my dad? I can't get over it. It was pretty good. It I mean, was a great way to start our Friday. It really was. It really was. He's a good person. Yeah, yes, to, to say the least. 8,700 and some hours in 12 months of volunteer. I mean, that... It, he, he volunteers, right? It's absurd. That's the I most mean, amazing thing. Okay. Anyways. So um, <laughs> let's... <laughs> Uh, you know, I hear this a lot. Um, I'm talking to people about their, their their money, and they start talking about their investments, Nicole, and they start talking about, well, my advisor has me in a portfolio that's diversified, but the market is beating my portfolio, and that's frustrating. Okay, so let's yes. let's dig into what that means. Uh, this topic uh, came to our attention this week, um, not only because I hear people say that, but because I read a great blog post from June of this year at uh, pensionpartners.com, a guy named Charlie Bilello, pronunciation's probably wrong, don't care, uh, wrote this <laughs> blog post about diversification and the fear of missing out. Okay, so Nicole, typically when you have a financial advisor, they put you in a portfolio and they use something called diversification or asset allocation. Okay. And, and the whole key of that is to basically have different types of investments in there. So as the market rises and falls, things are smoother. So that if the market crashes and you're just in the S&P 500, you would get smoked, right? Right. So the so S&P 500 in itself is, is diversified in the sense that it's got 500 different uh, companies represented. But at the same time, they sort of, they tend to move in lockstep. So if the entire market gets crushed, you get crushed if all you are holding is the S&P 500. Oh, uh, so what an advisor does is they say, okay, the, the hypothetically here. Right. Uh, and, and this is a great chart um, that the data is through the middle of June 2018 at pensionpartners.com. But they say, okay, let's look at these different mixes. So if you are an aggressive investor, Nicole. Yes. Then typically <laughs> you would have 80% um, stocks and 20% bonds. Okay, that's sort of a that's sort of a classic definition of an aggressive investor. Right. A someone who is growth oriented uh, investor would be 60-40. Moderate investor would be 40-60. That's 40 equity, 60 bonds. Mm -hmm. And then a conservative investor is 30% S&P 500, 70% uh, bonds. So uh, let's look at all of these in relation to the last seven years or so and, and show you how they're trailing the market. Okay. So okay. a lot of numbers are going to be flowing out this segment. I'm very sorry, but that's what we're doing. <laughs> all right. Here's a good example. We'll start in 2012. Nicole, you were graduating from high school. Oh, okay. Go Royals. Uh, <laughs> S&P 500 did 16% in 2012. It returned 16%. If you had an aggressive portfolio, what you're saying is I'm a I'm an aggressive <laughs> investor. I want max returns. You got 15%. 
Okay, so you, okay. you trailed the market by a percent because your bond holdings, which are meant to be there if the market tanks and the bonds protect you, mm -hmm. they drag down the portfolio in that example. And so instead of getting 16%, you get 15%. If you're a growth oriented investor, which is just slightly less than uh, aggressive, you would get 11.4. If you were a moderate investor, you got 8.4. If you're a conservative investor, you got 6.4. Now here's the crazy thing. Most of the people that I just mentioned, the different risk tolerances, if you will, should be satisfied with those returns. Like if, if you're an aggressive investor and you get 15% every year, Nicole, you're happy. Yeah. Trust me, you're very happy. Okay. I view myself to be, uh, I mean, aggressive, a technically aggressive investor, right? Like I, I understand it, so it doesn't scare me. Right. Um, I'm happy with eight. I'm just, I'm, this is me, you can be you. I, if I get 8% every year, I'm thrilled. I don't care beyond that. <laughs> if I get more than that, sure. But what Fantastic. can but what can frustrate me? Yeah. Is if I see, well, if just in the S and P five hundred, I'm getting sixteen percent. That would be frustrating. Yes. 2013, S&P 500 did 32.3%. The aggressive portfolio got 22%. And the growth portfolio got 15%. Jumping forward, 2014, S&P <laughs> 500 got 13.5%. And an aggressive portfolio got 67 <gasps> 2015, a little bit of a pullback. The market did 1.2%. An aggressive investor got minus 1.1. 2016, things got a little better. 12% for the S&P 500. Aggressive investor, 7.8. Oh my God, thank God we're not negative. <laughs> I know. 2017, good year, 21.7 for the market, 20.1 for an aggressive investor. Year to date through June, which I mean, look, I know it's, what are we, September? Yeah. I should probably oh update this. Don't care. Not going to. Through September, through June, middle of June, 4.5% is what the S&P 500 had done up till that point. An aggressive investor would have gotten 0.8. The cumulative return over this entire time frame I've just discussed, if you were just in the S&P 500, your money would have gone up 151%. Oh. If you were an aggressive investor, it would have gone up 93.9%. If you're a conservative investor, it would have gone up 33.5%. So here's what we're dealing with now. Yeah. People get frustrated by this. They say, well, why not just be in the market? Because when the market tanks, like it did in 2008, I think the market lost 37%. Yeah, mm -hmm. S&P 500 in, in 2008 lost 37%. If you were, uh, for example, in a 40-60 allocation, 40% 40 stocks, 60% bonds, which is uh, by definition the moderate risk portfolio, you would have lost 10%, oh, right? And yeah. that matters a lot. <laughs> so when your advisor puts this portfolio together for you and uh -huh. you see the market is flying high and you say, why aren't my returns matching the market? It's because your, your advisor most likely is trying to protect you for when the event comes, when the market turns, because the market always turns. Right. We just don't know when. If we knew, we would have you 100% in the S&P 500. And then the day before it was going to go to heck in a handbasket, I have to <laughs> balance my dad's language from earlier. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Who knew? I know. That the worst words to be, have been spoken on this show in a decade come from my father. I kind of love it. Gosh, it was so uncomfortable. I mean, the conversation was great. The topic of which he came on was great. Some of his references, a little salty. Little salty. I wonder what my mom will say. Oh. <gasps> 
she'll totally yell at him. Oh. Poor man's going to get yelled at. Oh, and he's just trying to volunteer and help. Do you get, you, you don't get upset about your portfolio returns trailing the market, do you? I mean, I mean no. you don't seem like someone would care about that. And that's not no. a, that, that's just like the stage of your life. Yeah. Why would you care? No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too caught up in it. I got some bigger fish to fry in the moment. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to just be honest here. It's like, you, know, you should have to try to be honest, but I, I, I'm just trying to remember. That's the bigger issue with me, Nicole. I don't remember anything. I, I don't <laughs> think I get upset when I trail the market, but then again, and I know this is stupid, and I'm just going to admit it because it's true. But you admit it. I'm just, I'm just in the S&P and a lot of my stuff. Like, I don't, I really, I mean, there's different things I have that just aren't balanced out because I'm 40 years old. I have 25 <laughs> years before I'm going to touch any of this money. Right. I don't care if it goes down 37%. No. I just don't. Because here's the whole point. In 2008, it went down 37%. Right. Now, from 2012 to 2000 now, it's gone up 151%. And it went up probably equal that from 2008 to 2012. So it's like, right, why I yourself, don't care. Right. Why get yourself all wound up? Like, If I'm in my 50s or I'm in my 60s, by God, I care about this. Like, I would be in a moderate or a conservative portfolio. In, from 2012 to 2018, if you're in a moderate portfolio, you average 6% a year. I was going to say, I kind of wonder what my, what my dad feels like or what my dad's looking at. Cause he's 56. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Right? I don't know. I, I would guess he's probably 60, 40 to 40, 60, somewhere in there. Yeah. 60, 40, the growth oriented uh, investor got 8.4% all day, baby. Give it all to me. Day. I will take 8% all <laughs> day. All right. That's all we have time for. And that, coming up after the break, uh, biggest waste of money of the week. Weird show this week. Good show this week. Um, just not answering anybody's questions. So let's find the biggest waste of money of the week. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is Michelle. Day, living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain calm. Back on the Pete the Planner show. This is the biggest waste of money of the week, the Blom. Nicole, I got two good ones for us this week. All right. Well, whether they're good or not. Uh, for, for debate. The first one, okay, so here, one's dumb. Okay. And one of them, there's no way. So okay. which one do you want? The dumb one. Dumb one, okay. Um, Rosephoria Everlasting Roses. Wait. Some argue that a rose's impermanence adds to its allure that's a great sense allure Did, you know we get uh, uh these things from the same, the same website every week um there's been some really good copywriting recently yeah 
That that's a really good sentence as a writer. Uh, I forget what it was that we did like a week ago or so too. Yeah, and there was some, so good. Yeah, there's been some good copy. I just love the adjectives. Some argue that a rose's impermanence adds to its allure. That's a great sentence. That's uh, a really great. Others sentence. just think they die too soon. Aww. For the latter camp, there's Rosephoria's everlasting roses, handpicked by experienced farmers every morning. What, what's an unexperienced <laughs> farmer? Because right. if you're a farmer, you're experienced. Because like you've called yourself a farmer. It's like right. it's not like you fall off the turnip truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's that worked. <laughs> uh, okay, so they're uh, uh, handpicked by an experienced farmer every morning. Each rose is treated with a pigmentation process that keeps them looking perfect for up to a year. It's then mounted to a stand inside a crystal dome, glass dome, transforming it from a simple flower to a centerpiece that will be enjoyed for months, available in two sizes and in five different colors, starting at $150. Nicole, I have some issues. I know. Number one. Um... That seems creepy. I'm just going to be honest. Like, you've seen Beauty and the Beast, right? Uh, Yes, I've seen Beauty and the Beast. So, like, it looks like the rose in the dome in Beauty and the (gasps) Beast. That's exactly what it looks like. I think I kind of know what you're talking about. Like, I think I've seen something, either this thing or something similar to this thing before. And it's a single rose. Like, why do I want a single real rose in a dome Right. I have a nine and a six year old. That thing would be broken and all the petals off of it within 20 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that thing wouldn't stand a chance in your house, especially if you guys get a puppy here soon. Here's the other thing. It would make like, let's say I, I, I come home and Mrs. Planner had purchased this. And I would think at first glance, if I didn't know what was going on, like she had won The Bachelor, like that she had been selected, like someone had given her a rose at the rose ceremony and that she was preparing to leave me. That would be my concern. Right. Which I get. Can I just say, <laughs> I feel there's a lot of unsavory things in our society. I mean, that's a pretty broad statement. Yeah, but, but yeah. On the bottom of the list of unsavory, which I guess would be the top of the list, the most unsavory thing we do culturally is watch The Bachelor. And by we, I mean you, because I, not you, but no. the listener, I don't. I, was I say, think there are a few things I dislike more than The Bachelor. I think just the entire concept of like a lady draft, yes. right? Like you're a dude and there's 40 women or whatever are there for you to choose through like some live action catalog is the most disgusting thing. Yet people love that show. I can't stand it. No, it's my guilty pleasure. Who cares? It's disgusting. Like, no. That makes no sense. It's it's misogynistic. Right. Right? And even when it's the woman choosing the men, like that's dumb too. It, either way, it is dumb. Why it that just I know we could go on. We could get on the soap. I feel like as a culture, we will not recover. Eh. There's no recovering. Yeah. We will not progress. As long as something like The Bachelor is a viable viewing option. Have you heard the statistics, too, of how many relationships, like, actually make it out of, like, no. past... It, there's, like, only a handful of them, and they've been doing this for well, years. Wasn't there a new... Didn't some woman bachelorette <gasps> beat a man? Yes. The, so there's domestic oh, violence? 
there's like I don't even know what it is but I've because I see it enough on the socials it's the bachelor in paradise whatever that is and I'm pretty sure that that's what went on there Oh, we've just spent too long talking about this. The next yeah. biggest waste of money of <laughs> the week. Now, this is one of those items, Nicole, that's super cool. Yeah. Like, I, it's amazing. Like, I, I, but there's just no way. Is it just? No, just work with it. Okay. It's called the Zip Stitch Wound Closure Device. Oh. Build as a more convenient and affordable alternative to tradi- traditional stitches. The Zip Stitch Wound Closure Device. I don't like the word wound. No, it... Just a lot of head garbage. I don't like the word wound. No, no Uh, wound. It's a smart addition to your bag. It works on cuts (laughs) up to 1.5 inches long and comes with an alcohol wipe to clean the area and bandage to cover it up. To apply, simply center it over the wound. Uh Uh-uh. Wound. Remove the frame, pull on the tabs, (laughs) and cut off the ends. Ideal for the... trail first aid kits and household uses alike it's 30 bucks this is a genius invention yeah like can you imagine like i'm sure there's something like this for the battlefield for our soldiers and whatnot i would hope so you would hope so and even better i mean this is it it looks like how do you even describe it you know a zip tie right yeah it looks like four zip ties in a row okay and then on the other side is is just another piece of what looks like adhesive gauze and then they (gasps) zip ties everything you zip tie your things closed across adhesive you like almost give yourself stitches it's amazing but there is a reason a person like me isn't in medical school let me list the reasons number one i'm not smart enough don't sell yourself short. No, I'm really not. <laughs> Number two through 10, I don't like blood and stuff. No, can't do it. You, Snakes and blood. D- how long do maybe Maybe you're different than me. I don't know. That's, we don't know. I like to think we're exactly the same. Birds of a feather. <laughs> how long did you have the thought that you could do anything you wanted in, in, if you put your mind to it. Like, do you still have that? Because yeah. that's a positive thought. Yeah. I don't feel that way any longer at there's 40. A, there's a post-it note on my desktop that says I can accomplish anything I, I put my mind to. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I tell was at story. the Wharton School of Business. Uh, this is true. In the, at uh, University of Pennsylvania, Penn. All right? Uh, Pennsylvania University. No one knows Wharton School of Business for a symposium, a financial Ooh. symposium. Oh, such and a fancy word. It was. And there was all these professors at Wharton talking about these things. And I'm sitting there listening. And I was probably 27, I don't know, 13 years ago. And no these guys are talking. And it was in that moment yeah. that I realized I was not nearly as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> I thought to myself, I, mean, I just like, remember it to a T. I remember just thinking, wow, I really couldn't do anything I wanted, could I? Because <laughs> these guys and ladies are so much smarter. And this is a good example here. Like, I would love to zip stitch a wound close. But if there's a wound, I'm <laughs> running the other way. Yeah, I'm not your girl. I'm not zipping it. Now, I'm pretty calm under pressure, like a cool and collected when tragedy strikes. I can yeah, get after are. it. I can take care of things. And I probably would close someone's wound. But <laughs> I I don't know. That's a, 30 bucks, you can close a wound? I would want to, you know what? That's a good alternative to like a $1,000 run to the right? ER. Espe- yeah. That's but, a... but what if you Frankenstein someone? Like you may, you just hope it wound, because it's not stitches. You're just pulling the wound together. Is there like any sort of like, like, like uh, 
I don't even. It seems great. Like, is there any like medicine or like salve or anything on the other like uh, inside it to like know. kind of fight bacteria? I'm like, it's got a gauze pad to stop yeah. the bleeding, alcohol wipe to clean the wound, wound area, zip stitch to close the laceration, and bandage to cover and protect the closed wound. I wonder. I mean, it's do you genius. Think it, does it like dissolve then when, like after a couple days? I don't know. I mean, this is over my pay grade. That's all we have time for uh, on the show this week. Uh, thanks for listening to my um, interview with my dad, talking about uh, sort of uh, financial stress leading to thoughts of suicide. Of course, we talked about the market itself, and now we've talked about wound care. If you want to uh, listen to our podcast, in which we fix one person's financial life a week, go subscribe to the podcast. It's called The Pete the Planner Show. You can get it wherever you get podcasts, or go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast and do such a thing. This is all we have time for this week, and I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this here that you're listening to is Michelle. This is for information purposes only. Not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Gave me to my earth family and told me to create. And so I am. Pin in my hand, microphone on the stand. Over vinyl, I command and demand. Magnificence in an instance. I can make you dance, cry, or love. Fly as a dove. Released from Everest. The fresh is fresh. And you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing. So amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, Tron greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone. So enjoy yourself. Love Tron can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations. How you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, and beats I burn, this I adjourn, and beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?